you can arrest me. I, that's fine. I'll go to jail and, 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 we'll, and we'll take this up in court and see if, if a court of public opinion where they sit on all this. But I can't allow good American citizens of my town to be harassed by a very small lo local police department and threatened like that. All right, so uh, hey, welcome to The Empire Show. Bedros here, and uh, this is a very type, uh, very different type of uh, Empire Show today. And I'll get to it in just a moment. You guys will understand why if you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, but let me tell you this, uh, I'm a meathead. I love working out. I was a fat kid growing up, and um, when I discovered the weight room, it changed my life. So. Um, all I wanted to do was help more people get in shape, and as I got in shape, I increased my confidence and self-esteem and self-worth, and all I wanted to do was help more people uh, do that. And so I had been a personal trainer for many years. Uh, most of you watching and listening to this know my story, but the reason I wanna share that story with you guys again is because I was ecstatic when a personal training client of mine said, hey man, you ought to quit working at this big box gym and let me help you open up your own personal training studio. And uh, to me, that was a game changer. That, you know, you fast forward, whatever, 15 years and here we are, Fit Body Bootcamp, one of the fastest growing franchises on the planet and uh, hundreds of locations throughout US and Canada. Um, but I'm also, in addition to a meathead and an entrepreneur, um, I'm an American. I'm an American and I'm an American citizen, but unlike most of you listening to this, I'm not a born here citizen. I, uh, I escaped from a communist country, uh, the Soviet Union, Armenia, when I was six years old. We escaped into Italy. Uh, we pretended like we were going to uh, on a vacation in Italy. And uh, my dad was a member of the communist party. So as we entered the, uh, Italy, uh, we went right to the American consulate. My dad said, I'm a, I'm a communist member. Um, I denounce communism. We want to legally enter the United States. Uh, what do I have to do to get to the U.S.? And um, he absolutely risked his life and he bribed some uh, Soviet government officials to let us make that escape. But I share that with you all because uh, when we got here, my dad definitely served our country, the United States. Uh, he was pumped for a lot of information, wasn't allowed to be a citizen. So those of you watching and listening, you ought to know that when you come from a foreign country, you enter legally. Um, at best, you get a green card and a social security number so you can start paying your taxes. And when you do that, after five years of living here and staying out of trouble, and again, legally, uh, I, I should stress, you could apply to become a citizen. Uh, my dad didn't become a citizen until oof, um, 15 years later because he was denied citizenship twice uh, because he was constantly pumped for information, which he was fine with, but he was hoping that he could become a citizen uh, while being pumped for information about the Soviet government. Because um, only 18% of the Soviet uh, population at the time was a member of the Communist Party, and so he knew information that obviously the United States needed, especially in the 80s. Um, and uh, I remember some uh, U.S. agents coming to our house and um, talking to my dad. And uh, I had to go in another room because my dad didn't want me around as he was uh, sharing this stuff. So I share that with you all because at the age of 20, I uh, finally became a U.S. citizen and was sworn in. And I guess the 
thing that the three of us have, have in common here is uh, we love to lift. <laughs> um, on the show, we love to lift. Um, we are Americans, and uh, the two of you have taken the same oath because, uh, um, how, how do I say this? I mean, both of you have served our country, and uh, both of our guests here have served our country, one as a U.S. Marine, the other as a Navy SEAL, and uh, one's now becoming a doctor, and the other one is an entrepreneur and gym owner. The gym owner is uh, Nick Kumalatsos, and of course, um, the Navy SEAL, well, his name is Shane Kronstadt, and I wanted to bring you guys on here because uh, some some stuff went down recently with Nick's gym in North Carolina that I really want to address and uh, get down to. But um, becoming a U.S. citizen meant I had to take an oath. And um, I'll just read a couple lines of the United States Oath of Allegiance that a foreigner who becomes a naturalized citizen has to take. Uh, it starts off with saying, I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce uh, allegiance to any other foreign country, state, and sovereignty, and I show allegiance to the United States, and I will support and defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States as required by law, and I will also serve as a civilian um, of uh, national importance um, uh, w when required by the law. And, uh, you know, raise your hand, right? So help me God. And I did. And I was 20 years old. And I really took that to heart. Like, I'm like, man, I'm an American. I'm not an Armenian American. I'm an American, period. And uh, maybe because of that, and because I had to learn everything about the judicial system, our House of Representatives, Congress, the presidency, um, the stars and stripes and what they meant on the U.S. United States flag. I believe most people don't know that. Um, how many stripes there are? Why is it red and white um, and blue? And, and I had to learn all that and pass the test. And so I took all that serious. And while I attempted to join the Marine Corps after that, since I had flat feet, they denied me. These days, apparently, they'll take anyone, they say. But uh, and I said, well, I'll sign anything. Just take me. You know, it was, it was 1994. They're like, nope. And they took my fat friend, by the way, guys. His name is Dave Sanborn. He was fat at the time, but they pumped him with B12 and he lost some weight. Uh, but I was just so disappointed that they didn't take me. But I'm like, but I, but I, but I swore allegiance, you know, and, and, and let's go. And I wanted to see the world. Obviously, not much was going on in the 90s after I graduated high school. But here we are today. Um, I'm 45 now, and never did I think... What I think that the meathead entrepreneur like me is going to have to uh, take a hard position against what I believe is uh, government overreach and government exaggeration. And uh, so this kind of brings the three of us, uh, Nick, myself, and Shane, here today on The Empire Show. And so I wanted to set the stage. Um, I don't care what your position is on the coronavirus. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But Nick, um, I want to start with you, man. Why don't you tell us what happened recently when you went to open your gym? Yeah, so 
are you familiar with uh, what kind of what's transpired in North Carolina and, and the kind of the steps that, that Governor Roy Cooper has taken? I am, but let's assume that our audience isn't. So let's educate our audience first. And you might even want to share some of your background in the Marine Corps. It wasn't like you just did a short stint, like you did, you did a, a, an amazing tour for our country. Yeah, I did. I did 12 years in the Marine Corps. I, I um, joined the Marine Corps, ended up in force reconnaissance. And then the last half of my career, I uh, kind of like, the, like uh, Shane, I, I spent half of it in Marine Special Operations Command as a Marine Raider and uh, deployed overseas, Afghanistan, Iraq, Turkey, Southeast Asia. And uh, so this is why it kind of, it hurts because I spent my youth deploying overseas, fighting terrorism um, and protecting our freedoms that we have back here to eventually one day come here and enjoy those freedoms. And like you said, this is a big over, overreach and overstep of our government. And um, it, it kind of breaks my heart to, to watch this kind of transpire. So uh, I left the Marine Corps in November 2012 and, and did what most military people do. I contracted for a little while and then ended up starting my business and kind of fell into the role that you're in and, and entrepreneurship and philanthropy and things like that. Um, March 17th, uh, the governor shut down restaurants and bars. Due to, the, due to the virus. On the 25th of March, he shut down everything and the whole stay at home order was enacted. And initially, you know, we didn't, you know, we knew, we didn't know what we didn't know. So initially everybody was, I think everybody in the US was kind of like, okay, like, let's see what happens, give it a couple weeks. Um, of course, everybody was, was closely following the POTUS and, and what he had to say and whatnot. So, we obliged on the 25th at 5, 5, 5 p.m. We shut the gym down and explained what we were going to do. And that was supposed to be two weeks and, and two weeks turned into three weeks and then turned into a month. And for North Carolina, phase one, we thought was going to open May 1st. So all of all from March 25th, all of April, we were shut down. And I was expecting to be able to open my doors on uh, May 1st. He came out on the press conference and said that he was going to extend it another week. And phase one was started on May 8th. And then, uh, but, but nothing that was currently closed was going to open on in phase one. And he had no date for phase two. So he had no plan. He had no data. He had, there was nothing other than just an arbitrary, like shot in the wind. And at, during this entire time, I'll keep, keep in mind, um, ABC stores, which in North Carolina is a controlled state. So they're controlled by the, by the state. So liquor stores, tobacco was open and big box stores was open. So Lowe's, Walmart's, all, you know, grocery stores, whatever. Um, so because there was nothing, there was no, there was no data whatsoever. There was no plan whatsoever. I made the call to look at what the CDC actually, uh, very close to what you actually put up for um, opening, reopening your gyms. Yeah, the protocol. guidelines that you were putting in for California. Which yeah. is a great document, by the way. Thanks. Um, we looked at the CDC guidelines, checking temperature, sanitation, six feet apart, well-ventilated, uh, minimal amount of people, which for us was only 10, allowing only 10 members at a time, which we only have a 2,400 square foot facility. Um, and we, I made the call and May 1st, we opened up. No issues initially. On May 7th, we were raided by the, 
by the Holly Ridge Police Department. Wow. Yeah. What What does a raid look like when the cops come? And uh, like, what do they tell you? How does it go? How does that work? You know, it, it wasn't like a SWAT call. I say the reason why I say raided is because of their posturing. So the officers that were involved in that, that incident, um, we kept the doors, the front and back doors open of the, of the facility so that it was well ventilated, which is one thing that was part of it. And so they had free access to come in, right? They didn't have to knock. They didn't, they just were able to just walk right in. Sure. And they came in, they pulled into the parking lot, blocked off the entire parking lot with, with, uh, their cars and then entered the facility, hands on guns, voices raised, banging on doors, yelling at citizens of the town, and just causing a complete scene. They weren't wearing masks. So if this is a, if this is a, a, a virus thing, they weren't wearing masks. They weren't staying six feet from people. They were in people's faces yelling. Um, and then, of course, I wasn't there at the time. I, I immediately showed up. Uh, ask what was going on, who sent them, what the problem is. And they said I was in violation of the law, um, which is an executive order, not a law, but I'm not a lawyer. So I'll let lawyers figure that out. Um, and I got a class two, I got cited a class two misdemeanor. Wow. And so when you say they're yelling at citizens, you're, the citizens are yelling at are probably your coaches, your instructor, and maybe your clients, right? Absolutely. Like these yeah, are yeah. these are people of the community who contribute their taxes and are there to get a workout. Good American people. Yeah, they're they're not like former convicts that you're bringing together to collude the next bank robbery. And for those of you that let me paint a little picture, I'm I'm right outside Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, which is we are a military town. Majority of our members are either have served, are serving, or family members are serving. I mean, we're a military and law enforcement community. Sure. And so we shut it down. They ran everybody out. Uh, I got the, I got the misdemeanor. I went home, try to cool off. Uh, the chief at the time knocked on my door and said, Hey, I need to get, I need to talk to you. So I stepped outside. The chief was very cordial, very understanding, um, kind of apologized for the, how things went down and took the misdemeanor back and said it was going to be voided, which I just actually found out yesterday that it was in, in fact voided. And said, listen, I believe in the constitution. Uh, I was in a meeting when this happened. I wasn't aware that it was going to go down the way that it did. You should have been, you know, when, when it went down, he asked the officer, the, the captain, were they given a warning? He goes, well, I think so. He goes, well, you think so? Or they were given a warning. And what'd you do? He said, well, we gave him a citation. So of course he, that's where we ended up having a conversation. So we had a conversation and, and phase one opened up May 8th. So the next day at 5 PM, we reopened the gym and he said, listen, we're going to operate on that warning basis. These three warnings before a citation and any warning or citation is going to come from me personally to a business owner in the area. And there's a couple other businesses that were like barbershops that were trying to um, and then we can get into numbers, but to give you an idea of my town, I, there's 2,598 people in Holly Ridge, North Carolina. Okay. So it's a small town that we're, I mean, wor word gets around obviously very quickly when this happens. Very quickly. Yeah. So we're a very small town. We're not on the map. 
Like it, we're a blip when you go down Highway 17. Sure. And by the way, I do have to say for everyone watching and listening to this, like you have to understand this isn't just about gyms. Uh, you know, you might think that I'm biased towards gyms because of our franchise. This is about every small business owner. This is about barbers. This is about hairstylists. This Correct. is about nail salons, tanning salons, about the little mom and pop furniture store and the antique store. This is about those stores who have employees and these people who have a right to earn a profit and not look for the government for a paycheck because we are not a socialist uh, empire. Thank so, you. yeah. So, so go on. Cause I, I'm just getting fired up about this. So, so we had that conversation. He, we did the warnings. There were no issues from May 8th at 5 PM until the, I believe the 18th. And this is when everything kind of came and you probably saw the video and this is what, why we're speaking. Sure. Uh, out of respect for the chief and everything that he was doing for the community, I, was stayed quiet. The members were extremely happy. The military members, the law enforcement people that come into that gym were like, Nick, thank you so much. A month and a week was too much. Like we're talking, let's talk about, we can get into mental health and we can get into dopamine levels and we can get into all kinds of that, that stuff in, in a little bit, but they were, they were overwhelmed, appreciative of what we were doing and how we were handling it. On the 18th, the I, we were doing a closed session jujitsu session with uh, some law, military and law enforcement members. The captain knocked on the door. It's it's controlled access. You the eighteenth, the eighteenth of this month. Of eighteenth uh, of this month. Of, of I don't even know where we are. We're, we're March, May. April, May. Thank you. Eighteenth of May. Yep. Eighteenth of May. I, early in the morning, we're doing a, a closed a closed jujitsu session, and uh, he knocks on the door. I I'm like, how can I help you, sir? Hey, I know the chief said you could be open, but you can't. You got to close. I said, Roger that. I'm going to call the chief. So we get done with our training session. I get cleaned up. I try to call the chief. His number's been disconnected. Hmm. Come to find out he has been, uh, on a, he's been on a temporary leave pending an investigation. Wow. Wow. I mean, does this raise suspicion for you already? Like what the hell is going on? And this guy is a, this man is, has served this community in law enforcement for, I want to say 25, 26 years. He's a good American, a good, a good American. And, and, th and, and this is the guy that came to your home and you guys spoke outside. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, and like a man, like came and let's have a conversation. What happened here? Hear me out. He's like, what happened? I want to talk to you. So I called, I got, couldn't get a hold of the chief. Um, I'm doing some stuff. My daughter turned 18. So I was celebrating, I was kind of doing some stuff with her, um, actually buying her her first car, which was a very proud moment for me, uh, coming from my background. And so I get a call from my manager saying, Hey, it's happening again. They can't get in. They won't let them in. Um, but they're on the, they're on the, they're outside on their horn saying, threatening members if that they're going to be cited or and ticketed or whatever. And they're taking pictures of the members inside the gym and then uh, taking pictures of their license plate and threatening them over the bullhorn. And there's cop, there's a bunch of cops there. And, and by the now, way, I should also just sorry to interrupt you for a moment. I should also say this exact thing, just so you guys know, is, is happening almost at the same time in New Jersey at a gym called Atlas Gym. And right. now let me draw another parallel. This exact thing happened when I was five and a half years old, uh, just six months before we escaped 
Armenia, Soviet Union, when KGB agents came into our home and started to ask my father, are you making suits? My dad was a tailor. Are you making suits and selling them on the black market uh, to make more? Basically, you have a side hustle. So, so look at the similarities here. In other words, um, w what freedoms that we have just get thrown out. And if there's a chief who believes in our constitutional rights and freedoms gets put on temporary leave or suspension or something and his phone's disconnected because, well, the powers that be don't like uh, his messaging. So, so uh, let's keep going here. I'm so sorry. I'm just, I just said that the, um, you know, those that, those that don't learn their history, it's doomed to repeat it. Right. Yep. And I'm seeing it firsthand, right? It's, it's blowing you my experience it. Right. Huh. So, so at, appro at approximately 310 on our security cameras, this law enforcement officer, uh, accompanied by the detective gains access to our facility via an access card that we didn't know that they had. So they just walked right into the gym. Wow. And they said, everyone has five minutes to get out or you're going to be cited. And then, and then goes outside. So the town manager, the, the, the acting chief at this point, and uh, one of their detectives was a part of that. Now, come to find out, this was a key card that, from everything that we can tell, that they got, they got issued back in 2010. In 2010, I was in the Marine Corps. I was serving in, in Marine Special Operations Command and uh, probably in Afghanistan, depending on the month. And um, I took ownership of this facility May 31st, 2018. So I had no knowledge of this. I didn't know this until they scanned the card and we saw, the, we saw it pop up and we could trace where it came from. There was no contract. We had, they had no contract with us. They had not signed any waivers with us to be in our facility. So as far as I'm concerned, I had a, a reasonable expectation of privacy um, for, those for that facility in my property. Sure. Um, once this kind of came down and everything happened, I drew the line when I saw what was happening with the members. The way that they were being treated, the way that, that, that he had his younger officers taking video of them and their license plates threatening them and i said i i have to i got to do something else so i have to i have to i have to close the gym i have to close i have to close the gym not because i'm a, i i could you can arrest me I, that's fine i'll go to jail and, and and we'll and we'll take this up in court and see if if a court of public opinion where they sit on all this but i can't allow good american citizens of my town to be harassed by a very small lo local police department and threatened like that. That's where I drew the line. So we closed it down and that's when I made the video telling story of what's been transpiring over the past month and a half. Gotcha, gotcha. So that catches us up. Now, uh, Shane, I, I, wanna, I wanna bring you in on this, um, not, not to talk about the medical side just yet, we're gonna get to that, but um, I, I, I've known you now, I don't know, going close to, close to a year. Um, your wife is my doctor, and you, as a former SEAL, were a medic. Uh, I would say probably practiced medical procedures in the most uh, uh, high anxiety uh, state ever. Traumatic. Uh, traumatic state ever. Yeah, thank you for that, Nick. And, and uh, today you're in medical school. And so just hearing this as an American, Shane, um, 
never mind the medical side. What, what is it that you're feeling, experiencing? I just want to get your thoughts, man, because I know you to be a pretty pragmatic, logical dude. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely upsetting and uh, really confusing as to why why that's happening. You know, it's definitely a, very upsetting to hear. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, guys and gals, if you're watching this or listening to this and you're like, well, all right, so that's Nick. He's got a gym. Uh, doesn't affect me. Does it affect your real estate office? Does it affect your hair salon? Does it affect your restaurant? Does it affect your furniture shop, your antique store? Uh, does it affect all these small businesses who, by the way, let's talk about some uh, facts and figures here. For every 1% increase in unemployment, an average of 30,000 uh, 30, people will die. Uh, this is a fact. This is not my opinion. This is a fact that's been scientifically studied and proven and shown. Of the 30,000 people that die for every 1% increase in unemployment, majority of those people will die over the next 12 months of a heart attack. In other words, they lost their job. They lost their business. They can't string their finances together anymore. Uh, family turmoil usually leads to alcohol, some kind of uh, drugs to, of coping, and then uh, bad you know, eat, eating uh, out of stress and emotions, not sleeping well. Boom, heart attack. Of that 30,000, majority of those people are heart attack. The second group is suicide. The third group is domestic violence murder. So when those numbers come out, and let's say we've gone from about 3% to 13% unemployment right now, from, from 12 weeks ago, when the world was fine, there was no COVID virus in America yet, to now we've gone up about 10, 11%. So at 30,000 deaths for every 1%, that's about 300 thousand deaths guaranteed. No one's going to point a finger to that and say it's a byproduct of the COVID virus because we decided to quarantine and exaggerate a virus and um, quarantine people who could have fought off the virus still served the economy. Uh, they're going to point to heart attacks and suicide and, and domestic violence and they're going to shrug and say we don't know why these are up. Uh, but it's because of this. And so if you're wondering um, why I'm making it such a big deal it has nothing to do with money the money is directly correlated to the deaths of these 30,000 people who will, who will uh, sadly go away. And it has to do with your rights and freedoms being slowly eroded, no different than the waves that are smashing on a coast and you come back a decade later, a decade after that, and you slowly see that that coastline has shrunk. Um, and this to me is a big deal because I, I, really, I really wish everybody that was born in the United States should either have to serve in some capacity, maybe not in battle, but in some maybe in a support structure, or at least take the damn oath that I took to understand what it means to say that you you will have to uh, take arms for the Constitution if asked to. Um, and I think so many people are living in this tranquilized, numb life. As long as I have my iPhone and and Netflix and Grubhub, hey, everything's fine. Uh, while the noose keeps tightening around society, so. Nick, let me ask you this, man. What are you doing now, uh, not only for your, the sake of your business, because the Empire Podcast is about entrepreneurs and helping entrepreneurs scale, the, because the more money we can make, the more meaning we can have. An Empire Podcast is about money and meaning. Money is a direct con connection to meaning. You're a philanthropist as well. You donate to causes you believe in. Um, without, By the way, I donate to, to Toys for Tots, um, Shriners, Children's Hospital, and we have 90, 98 kids adopted through Compassion International. Um, and all that comes from the profits that I generate, uh, more than seven figures in just Shriners Children's Hospital. I don't see the government offering me a payroll protection program for me to donate the amount of monies that I used to donate to Shriners and Toys for Tots and Compassion. So 
those causes that I believed in and helped uh, those little kid-based organizations, I'm not able to help. Well, I am able to help. But a lot of people aren't able to help their church, their cause, because they don't have the opportunity of I have of having multiple businesses and seeing one increase as the other one decreases. So, Nick, I'm curious, what are you doing, one, for your business, and two, for your constitutional rights before we go into the science of what's really happening with this virus? So... So like you, I don't have just one business. So some of the other ones, you know, that are e-commerce businesses and other things, you know, are, are thriving, right? Good. Um, our brick and mortar, our brick and mortar stores. And of course the training facility is, is on the outs. Yeah. Um, what we're doing though is uh, just like you, like as soon as it happened, we pivoted to online training through an app um, offering that to members as well as, you know, dieting, coach, coaching, videos. I mean, we just went full-scale content and full-scale online coaching as much as possible and didn't charge anything extra, didn't do anything. It was about taking care of the members. I will make up the money at the, in the end. I, I know I can do that. I believe that. So I'm not worried about that. What I am worried about is our community and the people that are in that facility. That was my concern. Um, so as far as the as far as the the revenue loss, I'm not so worried about it. Like you said, though, that that revenue loss does f stop me from doing some of the things that I like to do sure. on on other, and other things. As far as now my rights, well, out of res out of respect for the chief, I was staying quiet because he was taking care of our community. When that stopped, and I saw what was happening with the members, I am full force in this. I don't like politics. I'm not the right. I'm not on the right. I'm not. On, I'm not on the left. I'm right up the middle, and I'm and I'm about our constitution and our rights. And and that means, for the people that disagree with me, I'm for you. Right. If you disagree <laughs> me. I'm waving my flag for you. And so, and and Shane can, can second this. When you're when you operate in special operations, you deal with a little bit more government than the regular military. And then I, I said this, I said this on team frog, frog podcast. Once you've dealt with the state department, you'll never want to deal with the government ever again. So when I left the military and I started doing this, I did not want to be involved in politics. I didn't want to be involved with the town council. I didn't want to, I don't even want to be involved with my, my neighborhood HOA because I just want to do me. I want to make videos. I want to make content. I want to help people. I want to inspire, educate, and motivate people to live a better life. That's me. I've done the government thing. But just like John Rambo, they drew first blood, and now they get to see this version of me. So now my mission is this. My mission is to ensure their, our rights are protected and that Americans are free to be Americans for the stuff that Shane and I serve for to protect and the oath that you took to become an American. Well said. So that's what I'm doing. Well said. Well said. All right, so now let's 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 take a little little turn. And again, all we're going to give here is our opinions. I'm not a doctor, Nick. You're not a doctor, uh, Shane. You're closest to being a doctor, and God knows you're surrounded by an amazing doctor in, in medical school and, of course, combat medic. Um, 
on March 6th, when the whole rumblings began of this coronavirus, et cetera, before any kind of lockdown or quarantine happened, I put up a video on Instagram and I said, hey, let's not freak out about this virus that's coming, about the coronavirus. Let's, what you ought to be most worried about is your bad habits, your, you're eating too much sugar, you're not getting enough sleep, you're maintaining a negative mindset, you're, you're, you're pre-diabetic, you're overweight. Those are the things that have a such much higher chance of killing you than the coronavirus. And this is before I knew anything about the coronavirus and the hype that was created by it. Now, very much like you, um, when the coronavirus then came to be on, on March 17th, the real lockdowns began. I told all of our franchisees, guys, it's my strong recommendation you shut down and we're going to pivot to online coaching. We don't want to raise any, um, any kind of blip on the radar where increasing this virus uh, is concerned since we don't know how contagious it is. So we're going to online coaching. All of our franchisees complied and off we went and we did that thing. And as Time went on, we got to see very quickly that, and in fact, even as early as yesterday, yesterday the CDC said, oh, by the way, as it turns out, it's not as contagious as we thought on hard surfaces and doorknobs and all that stuff. And uh, we saw that in the financial relief package, the CARES package that the government put out, um, hey, look, if you're a hospital and since you don't have a lot of people coming to the hospital doing elective surgeries right now, and those elective surgeries are like kidney replacement, heart uh, bypass. If anyone watched the Joe Rogan and Elon Musk interview recently, um, you know, Elon's like technically a triple bypass should not be elective, but when you're afraid of what's been positioned as a deadly virus, you're like, fuck it, man, I'm not gonna do this triple bypass and then die of the COVID. Uh, I'll wait. So as people are not going into the hospitals getting their medical treatments, hospitals are making less money. So the CARES Act, and I believe they had the best of intentions, the CARES Act, the Financial Relief Act, said, well, I'll tell you what, anyone that dies of uh, the COVID virus at your hospital, if their death certificate says COVID virus, that's $13,000 for the hospital. If a ventilator is used, there's $39,000 for you. So now the hospital is incentivized. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. I'm saying it was an act of, I believe, good intentions, but we all have heard the path to hell is paved with good intentions because as humans, we always find the uh, loopholes and we go, well, shit, my hospital's not making enough money. One of my private coaching clients, by the way, is a director. He's the CEO of a big hospital. His job is to make that hospital run like a business and be profitable. Save lives first, make money second. But at some point when they're putting doctors and nurses on furlough because people aren't doing, um, people aren't doing their elective surgeries, the, doc, the people running the hospitals quickly realize Hey, when someone dies, um, can we just put them down as COVID? And if so, can we just get an extra 13,000 or 39,000, depending on death or ventilation? And so soon they find a loophole and start kind of milking the system that way. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious, Shane, I uh, talked to you yesterday and I said, hey, if you could just do some research and find out some actual facts about this virus and who's really susceptible, should the rest of us who are healthy and able-bodied, go and contribute to the American economy uh, so that we can help. Like, what facts can you give us about this? Because what people are seeing is just what they see on TikTok and Instagram. And now I see people driving in their cars by themselves with a mask on, breathing in their own CO2. And I can't figure out what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I think the best way I can really be of use is to tell you what I've learned, factual, unemotional, I've uh, spoken with some ER colleagues, their opinions, and then just kind of maybe my own personal opinion. <clears throat> uh, 
So, yeah, so I, I do think in my personal opinion, I think a lot of things are getting really hyped up a little, a little extra. Obviously people are overstepping their bounds in terms of government. Uh, it starts to get very gray in terms of trying to do the right thing and keep people to not spread a virus potentially. And, you know, how do you do that without invading someone's constitutional rights? So that gets very blurred. And I don't know that there's a great answer for that. You know, and I interviewed an ER doctor in New York who works at a COVID hospital yesterday. And just keep in mind, everything with COVID, a lot of the data is not peer reviewed so that it's new and current. So it doesn't have a lot of time to get that out there so guys can get something. And the information I put out today could be not valid in a week. So as of today, uh, you know, third week of May, you know, they said they think that it doesn't live on surface. It's not as infectious and it can't live on surfaces really. And so, you know, that really raises the question, in my opinion, I, I was personally upset about the gyms being closed because they had just gotten to a good rhythm. And, you know, they're doing a good job, good ventilation, keeping it clean, uh, limiting the amount of people in there. And that's really the best way to do it uh, safely. And if it's not living on surfaces and you're limiting the amount of people regulating it, uh, you know, yeah, they think it can spread through breath particles, through breathing on each other or through spit. If you're talking, you spit out on someone. And that's kind of the idea with the mask. It's not really foolproof, but I think it can help maybe less project your your breath particles sure and people who are diabetic people who have high blood pressure people who are unhealthy people who are very old they don't do well with coronavirus and it's really they do very poorly the rest of us you have to think people going to a gym for example that's a self-selecting enterprise so the people that show up to a gym aren't usually a person who needs a kidney replacement or a person who's massively obese so you know even at that in certain industries really it's you have to keep that in mind. Um, without getting too much into the science of it, you know, basically it goes in through your lungs, it can go in through your stomach and they don't think it lives on surfaces. And they do think that a lot of the, just from what I'm told from a lot of the ER doctors that I've spoken to about it, you know, for example, how cleanly is the 16 year old worker at the grocery store packing your groceries, you get food delivery, I mean, really, right? Right. So we'd all be infected by now. I personally got sick with COVID, I'm pretty sure. And my wife and my baby, we were all right. I have a friend who didn't do too well. For the most part, most people who are pretty healthy are going to be okay. There are some risks. You could run into a risk of getting, developing a pulmonary fibrosis or myocarditis. But for most people, healthy, good age, you're going to be all right. And I think that not everyone can worry that you're going to get super messed up if you're a healthy, you know, age individual, you know, there are people that are, that do need to be taken into consideration, like older people or grandparents. And you can look at different countries like Australia. And for example, they open up two hours early at the grocery store. They spend an hour cleaning and then they let everyone else in. So there's definitely different approaches that could be taken into account. Another thing to keep in mind about the coronavirus, coronavirus is most one of the strains of the coronavirus makes up most of the strains of the common cold. So this is a mutant form of a different form of Corona. But the thing is we don't have a vaccine normally for Corona, right? And there's so many different strains and it mutates. And the thing is we might never have a vaccine for coronavirus and to protect those certain amount of people. And the question is, 
how long do we wait until we tank the United States to become Somalia by shutting everything down? And I think at a certain point, probably someone in the medical field would give me a dirty look for saying this, but I think as a society, you have to keep in mind that maybe this might go on a long time, that maybe there might not be a good fix for it. We don't have any drugs for it. And that most people will probably be okay. And that we have to open up small businesses. We have to continue with life because the longer and longer we tank the economy and shut everything down, the more the country's gonna crash, the more crime has been going up significantly. Doctors are going through mental health issues regular civilians going through mental health issues. It's affecting the military, which affects our security. It affects so many things. It affects mental health. And I think it's really important to consider that we really have to kind of consider going back to business as usual. You know, that's a really good point, man. So I appreciate you sharing that. And let's talk about the. And again, I don't want to, if any of our listeners are and viewers are watching or listening to this and saying like, hey, what about the conspiracy theory and the 5G that they're gonna put up as they keep people quarantined? Like people are sending me the weirdest shit. Uh, Listen, let's keep conspiracy theories out of it. I'm not saying some of the conspiracy theories can't be proven true later. Only time will tell when we look back in hindsight. Um, But I don't wanna necessarily talk about that. I wanna talk about what's really happening because when I put up a post like I did yesterday and I say, look, I'm not Republican, I'm not Democrat, I'm I'm a free market capitalist that wants to live by my constitutional rights and serve the people, clients, customers, my my employees, et cetera, that I have a duty and a responsibility for um, and let us go to work and let the elderly and the immune compromised stay at home, I'll get majority is a lot of support. But every now and again, a misinformed American, um, and I'm going to say misinformed, I'm not going to call them an idiot or whatever. That's, that's not what they are. And some people really start bashing them. And I'm like, it's, they're misinformed. Go, so you're okay with old people dying when someone goes to work, comes back and infects their grandparent. And it's that extreme way of thinking that you're, when, whenever did I say I'm okay with it? And it's, it's sadly, this virus has not only split up our country even more, um, it's crashing our economy. And because most people don't understand how the U.S. economy works, and Elon Musk did a great job. He says, for people to have things in stores and on shelves, we need people to work to produce those things, whether it's fruit, vegetables, televisions, cameras, iPhones, etc. And when people aren't working, money isn't being spent. And hence, back to what you said, Shane, the economy crashes. And when the economy crashes, the country will begin to crash if we don't do anything about it. Let's look at the Great Depression. So that said, crime goes up, depression goes up, anxiety goes up, alcohol, drug use has gone up. In fact, I can give you the stats. Um, We surveyed thousands of Fit Body Bootcamp owners, and I'll give you some stats here. One out of every four Fit Body Bootcamp uh, I'm sorry, not owner. We surveyed thousands of Fit Body Bootcamp clients, and just two weeks ago, one out of every four are now using either drugs or alcohol to cope with this. One out of every four. So that's that's bananas. 79% are ready to go back into a gym, into their Fit Body Bootcamps, or into just a normal way of life, assuming the stores and those businesses have taken the precautionary sanitization steps. Um, 69% of the people. Uh, feel a sense of depression, anxiety, and loneliness. And so let's talk about that piece for a moment. Um, I'd love to hear your guys's, Nick, we'll start with you, your guys's, in, your insight about the, the mental side of this. What is the fallout after 9, 10, 11, 12 weeks here? 
uh, the mental repercussions from this. So let's look, you got to look at the human beings in general, and, and both of you know this. At our core, we are a tribal people. This is the reason why military works so well, special units work so well, law enforcement is a tribe. This is why CrossFit has been become a thing because they create a tribal, a tribal community. This is the reason why your gym has done so well because you create a tribal community within Fit Body Bootcamp. Now, we create these within every single one of the training facilities. We create these in mommy, mommy day camps, you know, stroller warriors. Yep. We, we, we are constantly creating tribes for ourselves. What happens when we take someone and we take them out of their tribe? I wrote a whole book about it. You go through a, 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 person, a personality conflict. You, you, you start to, you, depression does kick in. You want to be part of your tribe. These, the, so the members of this, the members of my facility, they, they're displaced. Yeah, they can, they, we can prescribe them training in, in their community and whatnot, and they can go do it in their garage. It's not the same when you come together with a bunch of other human beings for a common interest and a common goal to make yourself better, to sweat. And this is what, this is what my facility is all about. And we all have stuff. We have stress in our relationships. We have stress in our jobs. We have stress with bills. We have stress. There's always stress in our lives. Our kids aren't taking the trash out when they're supposed to. They're not, there's always something going on in our lives. But you know what? You go into that facility, you sweat, you leave it all on the freaking mat, you leave it there. And you walk out a better man, a better woman, a better father, a better friend. So you take care of yourself right here. You leave all that, all that stress on the mat and you walk out and you're a better human being. We've taken that away from our people. So yeah. where is it supposed to go? Now you have fathers that are stressed. Like you said, they're out of work. They're not getting that dopamine release they normally get from going to a training facility. Same thing with the mother. Now they have schools were are closed. So the kids have been at home, right? So all of that is compounding. It's a snowball effect. If you continue this up, you are going to rip people's people apart. Yeah. And, and, and again, the, the conspiracy theorists say, well, it's the government trying to see how far they can push us, etc. Let's just put that aside for a moment. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. We'll find out in the future. But what I can tell you is a fact because I just love, I, I love irrefutable facts. I love numbers. I love when the CDC goes, hey, we screwed up. Uh, this thing is not as transmittable on hard surfaces, doorknobs, countertops as we once thought. Okay, great. Uh, here's what I can tell you as a fact. If, um, if this thing was really as deadly as we first thought, and, and I'll, the example I gave to a friend was this. I said, hey man, you've got six kids. Your oldest kid is 15 years old. If you're at the park with your wife and uh, you've got kids from 15 all the way down to four years old, it's a beautiful day no threats in the park, you're gonna go, hey kids, go play, and the 15-year-old is in charge. Everybody listen to the 15-year-old, because uh, he's in charge, me and mommy are gonna have ourselves a little picnic. He goes, okay, gotcha. I go, all of a sudden you hear like, clack, clack, clack. Someone's shooting off a pistol in the parking lot. Now is the 15-year-old in charge? He goes, no. I go, who's in charge? He goes, I am. I'm gonna gather my, my kids, and we're fucking out of there. I go, exactly, exactly. Daddy takes charge. So if my common sense tells me that if this was truly that big an issue, would, would our president be like, hey, I'll tell you what, there's 50 governors, the 50 of you try and figure it out uh, in your own states. Oh, by the way, arbitrarily wear a mask or don't, depending on the governor. Oh, you can touch the avocado and the banana and the apples and then look at, look at it, put it back. Oh, you can touch that soda can, put it back. 
Like, that wouldn't be happening if this was truly that much of an issue. Daddy, the president, would be taking over and saying, this is what we're doing. We're rolling out the National Guard. Keep your asses at home. And I'd be like, you know what? I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. And then we would drive to the grocery store. Someone in a hazmat suit would hand me my shit, and I'd take it through the window, and then I'd drive off. But that's not what's happening. So common sense, which is not so common these days, tells us that maybe this isn't so big of a deal if the president's like, yo, not handling this. And then the governors are like, you know what? I don't want, I, 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 how about the mayors handle it? Like they just passed a buck. And that's not how a CEO thinks. Like all my employees will look at me like, hey, B, hey, B what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And the VP will look at me, what do we do? I don't have anyone to turn to and go, what do we do? I just do. I just do. Like the buck stops here. And so one, that was a big red flag for me. Like, all right, maybe this isn't that serious. Number two um, was the fact that when we saw states opening up, Utah, uh, Atlanta, uh, Texas, and others, the first 14 states that opened up, 13 of them, and again, I'm not Republican, I'm not Democrat, but of the 14 that opened up, 13 were Republican, which tells me that now the Democrats are using this coronavirus during an election year to punish the president and hope in hopes that he doesn't get reelected, which I get it, man, they're so loyal to their party, they're using the people as fodder, but for how long, for how long? And that's what I'm not down with because we voted them into office. And so when you look at the stats, is it coincidence that 13 of the 14 states are Republican that opened up and Democratic states are dragging their feet because let's just blame the president and he won't get voted into office. And in the process, if the country takes an economic dump and a lot of people lose their businesses and lose their lives, well, it's a price we pay for Democrats to win. Or you could reverse the role. The Republicans would probably do the same damn thing. It's not right, and that's what I'm standing up against and for, um, and that's what's really bothering me, man. That's what's really bothering me is, and no one's really calling that out. They're just so worried about the virus, and of course, then I look at the other fact. Majority of the world, let's just the United States, they're not entrepreneurs. They're employees. They get a paycheck, and that's totally cool. And so they go, hey, we're going to bribe you by increasing the federal unemployment uh, payout to $600 a month and the state unemployment to $400 a month or a week. I'm sorry, 600 a week, 400 a week. So collectively between state and federal, you're going to get $1,000 a week if you're unemployed. Um, and so most people who lost their jobs, got laid off, are effectively being bribed with some making even more money than they were in their careers and jobs to stay at home even longer. And they extended the amount of time in unemployment. What are they doing again? They're separating entrepreneurs and employees. And so I've got team members and I've got a pretty loyal organization. I've got team members going, are you sure we should come back June 1st? I'm like, what the fuck? Like, of course we should. The state said it's fine. Of course we should. We're good. We're going to temperature you. We're going to, we got, we got alcohol everywhere. You can wipe yourself down, dip yourself in it. But I also realized they're co-chilling at home, making the same amount of money. Why would I have to come to work, get out of my fucking PJs, come to work and make the same amount of money actually doing something? It doesn't make sense. So when you bribe the majority to stay at home, when you see the obvious that states that are opening up are like, hey, they're open. We're open for business. The virus is not increasing. The other states are like, no, we're not going to open. We're going to be cautious. And once I see the political battle start unfolding in front of me and the people become fodder, it, it really irritates me. So I'd love to get your guys' opinion on that. Shane, what's your thoughts on that, man? Yeah. Um, 
I definitely think it's a big problem. And I definitely think it's probably not the first time the American people have paid. And I see it time after time, probably throughout the whole presidency lately with the Trump administration, where the Trump administration and the Democratic Party can't get along, can't play ball, and the people pay. And that's, that's a very common theme. Um, <clears throat> one other thing that I think is really something to take in consideration you know, I live in New York City. Do I think coronavirus is a problem? Yes, but I live on top of everybody. Right. We can't even go anywhere. I used to live in North Carolina. It took me 20 minutes to get to the grocery store. I didn't see anybody. So over 90% of the United States is not a big city, is not is mostly rural, is not New York City, is not Chicago, is not Los Angeles. And, and that's just a fact. And the odds of people are a lot less dealing with these kinds of problems. So should the rest of the country really have the free reign to open up in these different states? I think so. I don't, I don't think New York should be under the same rules as Dakota, Ohio, Texas, and different regions of the United States. I definitely don't think the whole country should be shut down in that regard. I think we have a problem here. Dude, and that's exactly it. You really make a good point because if I was a political leader, and I truly had the people's interest at heart, I would say, look, places like New York City specifically, uh, downtown Chicago and, and its outskirts, uh, LA, guess what? You guys are gonna have to deal with a higher level of quarantine than the rest of the country, well over 90% that are suburban and have nowhere near the number of people stacked on top of each other. Um, but that would mean you're actually using, again, common sense and you have the best interest of the society and the country at heart. And I don't believe they do because they have agenda at heart. And that just pisses me off. But um, Nick, what's your thoughts on that, man? Uh, so, so two things. And you like facts. So I'm going to get into some numbers here for North Carolina. But the second thing, so my other business, Johnny Slicks, we actually are trying to hire people. What is Johnny Slicks? Tell me about it. Uh, it's an it's a organic grooming company. So we're the largest, uh, fastest growing organic grooming company in, in the United States. Um, very, very proud of that. And we can talk offline. You'd probably love the story. Uh, but it's growing rapidly, very, very rapidly. And we're trying to hire people. But currently, no one wants to apply for a job because of what you said. They're making more sitting on their ass at home than they would coming into work. Right. So we've seen it personally right here in this town. Nobody wants to apply for a job because they're making so much, thanks to the governor. And, and, and that's bananas, right? Because again, since yeah. things are agenda driven, it's just, look, humanity for the most part will lean towards the path of least resistance. If the path of least resistance is I can stay unemployed for a longer period of time and still make the same or more amount of money, why would I go work for Nick and actually what's have to good? comb my hair and go to work? Yeah, what's, the, what's, yeah, what's the incentive? So stay home, be controlled. We, we will take care of you. But here, here's the actual, here's the numbers of North Carolina. And I'm, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a lawyer. Um, I don't work for the CDC, but these are numbers that are published on the North Carolina's website. So there's 10.5 million residents in North Carolina. The cases for COVID are 21,618. That's 0.0021% in North Carolina. There's currently 568 uh, currently hospital for COVID-19 in North Carolina, and there's 728 deaths. As far as the deaths, that's 0.000069%. That's in the state. Okay, let's look at Onslow County. Onslow County is the county that I live in. There's 197,000 residents in Onslow County. 80 confirmed cases. 
That's 0.00041%. 60 have recovered. There's been two deaths. We can't confirm they're actually COVID. They're saying they're COVID, but again, like Shane said, we don't really know. There's two deaths. That's 0.00001015%. Good Lord. Now in Holly Ridge, my city, there are 2,598 residents in Holly Ridge, North Carolina, zero confirmed cases, zero deaths. Now I'm gonna ask the people listening and people watching, is the level of escalation that we are dealing with in North Carolina comprehensive enough to those numbers? Do those correlate at all whatsoever? No. And that, and that's the unfortunate thing. And again, so much of this is common sense being removed and uh, society sheepishly following a message that's been twisted for a benefit of, of a po- political party. I mean, that's truly what it is. Now, and again, it's I hate... It's, it's not, not about safety. safety. It's really not about safety, period. If it was, then uh, I think the three of us could simply come up with a rule that says, hey, there's no COVID in your place. Be cautious. Be whatever. Let's run right. it. Keep testing people. If it spikes, we're shutting it down. Uh, right. New York, Chicago, L.A., and other places like that, here's the precautions we're going to take. If we all had really the best interest, what, what if the whole country, the moment you're, you're born, you come to an age where you can actually have some kind of self-awareness, maybe uh, 13, 14, 15 years old, you raise your hand and you, 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 you're sworn, you're, you're given that oath that I was given, and then you, every year you have to retake it so you remember it, right? Because uh, again, if I brush my teeth once, it doesn't mean they're gonna stay clean the rest of my life. Every year I take it and I remember it, maybe then the rest of us would be willing to stand up. But unfortunately, none of that is happening. And again, this almost seems like a, a, a like the Empire Show just got political today, but it's not that I lean political. I just wanna fucking have fun, goof off, make lots of money and contribute. Yes, sir. And then all of a sudden I'm talking to, 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 to dudes about a political thing that we shouldn't even be talking about. Like, we should be more worried about an external force coming in, like 9-11 and trying to ruin our lives, not something internal pulling us apart. So that's my big thing here. Shane, if you could just maybe explain one thing. I've been hearing a lot of this, and I think audiences need to understand the difference between having COVID and then dying from COVID versus dying with COVID. Yeah, I'm glad you asked because I wanted to actually bring that up. Uh, so here's the thing. There's a couple things. There's one thing called viral load, and that's basically how much of the virus you're exposed to. So there's been cases of people of various ages who have died from it. Say there was a nurse in the hospital in his 20s who died from it. And then there was someone who got sick, got a bad cold, went back to work a few days later. And the difference of the viral load, this nurse being exposed to it day after day after day after day after day, breathing it in with all the respirators and everything, that nurse died. So it also really depends on how much of this are you getting exposed to. So the everyday person, not probably living in on top of each other, and and even at that, you know, and it's transmitted by breathing on each other or through respiratory droplets, not living on surfaces, you have to really cognitively think and be realistic. What is my risk level with this? I don't wanna say negligently COVID isn't bad. I think COVID's bad. I, I wouldn't want someone with COVID to breathe on me, but you know, the odds of you getting it 
are pretty low, especially in most of the United States. And I think I think definitely the government has definitely overstepped their bounds in a lot of ways. And I definitely think that the economy is being hurt and that businesses should be allowed to run. And I think people in certain areas should be very cautious. And yeah, I, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, well, I'll also kind of clear up the difference between dying of COVID or okay, from yeah. COVID versus dying with COVID. Right, okay. So some people can die from a heart attack and have COVID at the same time. Uh, that kind of becomes a gray area that can be reported in either way. It could be reported as a COVID death, could be reported as a heart attack. And I think that probably also depends on where you're at um, in the United States. In New York City, they see so many that, you know, this heart attack might just get written off. This COVID who had a heart attack that they think might have died of COVID might get written off as a heart attack. In the Midwest, maybe that guy gets written up as a COVID. Um, but there's so many people that have it who are asymptomatic and don't get affected by it. And we haven't even tested all these people. And we're going to see most likely, according to the experts, that the numbers, the mortality rates and the effects of people that are actually severely affected are much, much, much less and lower than we actually think. Because all, there's tons of people who get no symptoms, don't get affected. There's people who get minor symptoms, nothing happens. So I, I think the numbers are a lot lower I think there's a lot of people walking around with COVID right now who don't know it and aren't going to be affected by it. And, and you just you just got to have common sense. I mean, you live in New York City. Don't go breathe in someone's face. If you live in somewhere where there's not a lot of people, I don't see the problem, you know, doing what you need to do with life, business as usual. Well said. Well said. Nick, uh, any, any final words, Nick, that you want to share with our audience and um, that, that will benefit them? Uh, the, the only thing is is... is like all of us, we, we, swore, we swore an oath, right? And those, that oath means something. These rights mean something. And whether you agree with the situation or not, know that there are people that have, that have fought and died, we're coming up on Memorial Day, for those rights. For your right to stay at home and for your right to go to work and your right to thrive. Don't be so close-minded to the other side. Well said. And uh, if I could say one last comment. I think uh, tail, tailbacking off of what Nick said, I think it's important to remember how easily we did kind of throw away our rights on a different side of the token. And think about in the future, you know, would we so easily give up our rights in all these different ways and to really kind of remember what America stands for. I think that's really important because in the future, what if it's not COVID? What if it's something else? You know, right. are you just going to... I, I, I think we got into a whole revolutionary war over tea. It's yeah. extra tea, you know what I mean? So, right, right, right. You know, like, I mean, this, you know. And, and, and I want to bring up, bring up something, too. I'm glad you, you, you guys brought that up. Um, you know, the gold standard. And let me talk about the slippery slope. It's like, Pedro, why are you freaking out? This is all temporary, and then it's all going to go away, and we'll be fine. And I'm telling you it's not, because when you think about the gold standard that was put in place for the American dollar, the gold was used in, in 1934, the, the powers that be decided, hey, we're going to put gold against the United States dollar so that this dollar has actual value against uh, a precious metal. And then I believe it was Nixon who decided for a temporary period of time, because of the economic crash that was happening during his time, for a temporary period of time, I'm going to take away the gold standard until the economy straightens back out again. But don't worry, we're going to still back up the U.S. dollar by the FDIC. 
which is the federal financial institute. Like you walk into a bank and you see like, hey, your money's safe here because it's backed by the FDIC. It's the federal whatever. Uh, the, the feds back up the fact that you, your money's good. It's not going to get lost um, where it used to be backed by gold. And I share this with you right now because that temporary taking away of the gold standard still exists. It, didn't, it wasn't temporary after all. Still exists. And it's gone. It's gone. It's, that, that's it. That's it. And what ends up happening, you, you, you'll, from time to time, you'll see people who have a limp and you're like, hey, man, what's going on? You know what? I didn't even realize I limp. It's just, I guess, 10 years ago, I hurt my knee. I never did anything about it. And it's just become this new way of life. And when people talk about this new normal, I want to slap them across the mouth because I don't want to go to a new normal. I don't want to degrade the quality of my life. Even worse the quality of my kid's life, a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old who I've raised to become amazing humans and serve humanity at a greater capacity than I ever will because they're much smarter than me. They've got a great mom that, uh, who poured into them. They're, they're much smarter than me. They had the advantages that I never had. And I don't want them to live in this new normal. I want them to exceed any expectation that I've ever set for them. And for that to happen, they need the freedom to do that. And when, And I'll give you another example. And uh, I don't care if you're watching this, listening to this, you're pro-guns or not. It's not the issue of pro-guns. It is that an, an assemblyman here in Southern Cal in California reached out to the governor, Governor Newsom, and said, hey, uh, you know what? We ought to stop the sales of bullets, of ammunition, uh, during this time of the COVID virus because um, as crime is going up, bad people are going to buy bullets and likely kill good people. Uh, again, best of intentions. Now, so guess what? No one's able to buy bullets right now. You can buy a gun and then throw it at someone. Uh, and good luck. Hopefully the gun hits the bad, bad guy. So, because you can't take away your constitutional rights of the right to bear arms, the Second Amendment, but you can certainly take away that tiny little bullet. So, but it's temporary. Hey, Californians, don't panic. Will it be? We'll see. And those are the things when I say your rights are slowly being eroded, guys and gals watching this, do not believe for a moment that the erosion isn't happening in every other place. When your phone auto updates to the new iOS, when your phone and your, your uh, TikTok and your Instagram auto updates and you automatically accept the new terms that say they can listen to your conversation. And on one side of it, I love that because as a marketer, as an entrepreneur, I'm like, hey, I heard you talk about protein. I'm gonna show you true lean protein, my, my supplement line, right? On, on, on your Instagram ad, I'm down with that. But I also don't want someone to come and police me like they policed my dad back in Armenia um, when the KGB came into our room, into our house saying, hey, we heard that you're making suits on selling it on the black market. And in socialism, everyone has to make the same amount of money. So how dare you? And he actually was because he had to bribe this communist government to, for us to escape. So that, the fact is they, they were right. But what the fuck? So again, uh, if, if, if there's anything you guys watching and listening to this can take away from this. It is that logic and common sense should trump all. You should not be willing to let the noose tighten, not even a little bit. And don't forget that this isn't just your quality of life. If you have kids and those kids plan on being moms and dads and have kids and you'll have grandkids, the quality of life that those kids will have will erode. And I don't know about you, but I would die with massive regret if I did nothing today, knowing that my kids and their kids would live a life subpar to what I'm living today with the freedoms. Guys, amen. Thank you. And um, 
Nick, um, what's the best way that people can reach you and learn more about your cause, man? Um, everywhere. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, my website. Um, Nick, N-I-C-K-K-O-U-M-A is all you need. There you go. There you go. Shane, what's the best way to reach you if people want to connect with you, man? Uh, at Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, Instagram. <laughs> I've got like 200 Instagram friends. Don't even waste your time. Yeah, yeah. Just, just follow, follow his wife. <laughs> at Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, guys, thank you so much for spending time with me. Really appreciate you guys. And thank you again for your service. Uh, Nick, great to uh, officially meet you and get to know you. Um, yeah, we'll stay in touch. And uh, guys and gals, you know what the story is with the Empire Podcast. The only way we're going to get the message out to the tens of thousands and millions is if you take this episode, take a screenshot, share it on social media, in your stories, tag people who need to listen to it, leave a five-star review. And of course, as always, come back and listen to more episodes because the more you know, the more you grow. We'll see you guys later. 